Hey, I'm Dr. Michael Hunter, forensic pathologist from Autopsy, Reels Channel's medical mystery series on Podcast One and Apple Podcasts. Be sure to download the Podcast One app and subscribe. Then go to reels.com, that's R-E-E-L-Z.com, to find more programs like this one on Reels Channel. Jim Morrison, the lead singer for The Doors, a rock music group, is dead. He was 27. Jim Morrison, lead singer of the 1960s band The Doors, was one of rock history's most influential and enigmatic cult icons. We have taken out two warrants for Jim Morrison. His outrageous drink and drug-fueled behavior on and off stage established his reputation as a troublemaker and rebel. He was like an angel in grace and a dog in heat. His personal manager said he died in Paris, probably of heart failure, last Saturday. But the official cause of his death in Paris on the 3rd of July, 1971, remains controversial. I don't believe the fairy tale version of Jim Morrison's death. For me, it's completely implausible. 45 years later, the controversy surrounding his death still inspires rumor and conspiracy theory. Jim Morrison's death is shrouded in mystery, but with the evidence I've gathered, along with my own experience in unraveling cause of death, I think I can finally explain how he died. Dr. Michael Hunter is a world-renowned forensic pathologist. He's performed over 4,000 autopsies to investigate and reveal the cause of death. Today, he's the chief medical examiner in one of America's biggest cities. This is the medical report that was put together by Dr. Max Vasile. He was the physician who attended to the death scene. And he determined that the cause of death of Jim Morrison was from a heart attack, natural causes. The report that I have is based solely on his evaluation of Jim Morrison at the scene. There was no autopsy conducted, there was no toxicology conducted, and there was no evaluation of his medical background. This is extraordinarily incomplete. With eyewitness accounts, police records, and medical evidence, I'm going to determine what happened in the final hours of Jim's life and determine a proper cause of death for this iconic figure. 8 p.m., 1st of July, 1971. Paris, two days before Jim Morrison's death. Jim Morrison has been in Paris for over three months. He's followed his long-term American girlfriend, Pamela Corson, to the French capital to reinvent himself as a poet and film director. Mick Wall, author, Love Becomes a Funeral Pirate. The thing that made Jim Morrison so great in his prime uh, was his charisma. You know, this guy wasn't a musician. He wasn't out to dazzle you with his musical prowess. He was there as himself, in the moment, as a kind of a rock poet, something that had actually never existed before. But in Paris, Jim was spending more time eating and drinking than writing poetry. Looking at photographs of Jim Morrison taken four weeks prior to his death points out that he is aged, he's put on a significant amount of weight, 
and that can lead to stress on the heart. Paris was a chance for Jim to escape the adulation and attention of the American rock scene. But in the bistro with Pamela, he's annoyed by two fans and wants to move tables. Pamela refuses, and when their argument escalates, Jim storms off. Jim's volatile behavior was evident at a very early age. Born on the 8th of December, 1943, in Florida, Jim was the son of a naval officer. Discipline was strictly enforced. Stephen Davis, author, Jim Morrison, Life, Death, Legend. Well, his father was an admiral in the Navy who was never there, and when he was there, he would come home and, and start doing naval discipline, you know, and here is this poor guy, the oldest of three children, possibly a neglectful mother. It's like when they asked Marlon Brando in The Wild One, what are you rebelling against? And Marlon goes, what do you got? At the age of 19, Jim started acting. Regret to inform you. And against his father's wishes, began a film course at UCLA in 1964. He embraced the hippie culture of the West Coast, and in 1965, formed his band, The Doors, with fellow student Ray Manzarek. Well, he was an artist, first and foremost. He was a poet. But as a human being, he was, uh, he was wonderful. He was very charming. Great personality, uh, very funny, and was a, a, a good man to be with. Great deal of fun. Here's the hottest group going with Light My Fire, The Doors. As this clip shows, Jim's low voice and deadpan delivery gave the band a fresh and distinctive sound. By 1967, Jim's unique style gave the Doors their breakthrough hit. What turned Jim Morrison and the Doors from being this incredibly cool pop combo uh, into a completely different kind of proposition was when Jim came up with the song The End. This is the end, my only friend. The this 1968 end. clip of Jim at the Hollywood Bowl shows that he was a sultry and mesmerizing performer. His lyrics were unpredictable poetic journeys into his dark imaginings. We were in this house and there was a sound like silverware being dropped. He improvised the lyrics on stage one night and the original song went on for 20, 25 minutes. You know, what Jim Morrison was doing with The Doors was brand new. You know, the, the maps hadn't been drawn, the rules hadn't been written. In the weeks leading to his death, Jim is a long way from the rock god of the Hollywood Bowl. By the time we find Jim in Paris uh, in 1971, he's all but unrecognizable. In the final weeks of his life, Jim wasn't just eating excessively. He was also smoking heavily. The combined effects of eating fatty foods and smoking predisposes one to having a lethal heart condition called atherosclerosis. Fatty foods and smoking causes the formation of plaque in the arteries. This jumble of cholesterol, cells, and debris 
creates a bump in the artery wall. When the arteries become blocked, the outcome can be stroke or heart attack. At 27, even with risk factors, atherosclerosis is highly unlikely to be the underlying cause of death. But there are other worrisome lifestyle factors. And looking at this medical report, it does identify the abuse of alcohol. The 1st of March, 1969, Miami. The year before Jim leaves for Paris. He's drunk on stage. He started drinking as a teenager, but it's now out of control. Jim Morrison had a um, sort of an angelic um, quality about him when he was sober which was about maybe 4% of the time. But he believed that intoxication was the way for him to connect with his audience. Jim starts stripping off his clothes, and the audience starts to do the same. He's only prevented from taking off his pants by a bandmate. Jim aborts the gig, smashing the microphone into the stage. We have taken out two warrants for Jim Morrison. One of them is for indecent exposure. We have to do something about this. This is this is real disgusting. Nudity is always, you know, a necessary part of, uh, you know, a play or film. But uh, the artist should feel free to use it if he feels like it. Jim is arrested, and in September 1970, he's prosecuted for profanity and indecent exposure. He's sentenced to six months hard labor and ordered to pay a $500 fine. November 1970, Sunset Boulevard, Los Angeles. On bail pending an appeal against the verdict, Jim's drinking habits don't improve. He's drunk during a Doors recording session, and the mood is deadly. Dr. Linda Papadopoulos. Psychologist. I think oftentimes there's a very self-destructive element to alcoholism whereby, you know, one knows that what they're doing is bad, but, you know, they don't care. And, it, you know, it becomes just about the moment. So the ability to project into the future, to think what are the consequences of this, how will this affect me in the morning? It's very much about the here and now. The backlash since the prosecution has been disastrous for the band. There's a complete radio ban. Records are removed from stores. Concerts and bookings cancelled. The Doors were already making an album without him, and in fact his future was incredibly bleak. Five months later, Jim moves to Paris to join the Vietnam vets and draft dodgers who took refuge in the French capital in the 1960s and 70s. Gilles de Premier, French. The first time I met Jim, he was totally drunk, you know. You can't be drunk uh, more. He was absolutely totally drunk. You know, he, he was an alcoholic. Excessive long-term alcohol use on top of fatty foods and smoking can put excessive stress on the heart. And there's another alarming clue in the medical report. Jim was struggling to breathe. Uh, he had several friends who would sit in cafes with him, and Jim would um, excuse himself and start coughing up um, blood. Take coloring your hair at home to the next level with Madison Reed. You really deserve gorgeous professional hair color delivered to your door starting at just $22. 
For decades, women have had two options for coloring their hair, outdated at-home color or the time and expense of a traditional salon. And for me, I don't really do much hair dye for, for my own hair, but what I do love about Madison Reed is they make it super simple. So even if it's been a little while, you can go on their website and just go through all of their sort of um, selection process and make sure that you're finding the exact right shade for you. And many Madison Reed clients comment on how their new hair color has improved their lives. Women really love the results. Gorgeous, shiny, multidimensional, healthy looking hair. This is truly a game changing color you can do at home and look as if you just came from the salon. What makes Madison Reed Color unique is that it's crafted by master colorists who blend nuances of light, dark, cool, and warm tones to create over 55 gorgeous multidimensional shades. Find your perfect shade at madison-reed.com. Autopsy listeners get 10% off plus free shipping on their first color kit with code LASTHOURS. That's code LASTHOURS. July 3rd, 1971. Jim Morrison, at just 27 years old, is found dead in the bathtub of his Paris apartment. Dr. Michael Hunter has been examining a medical report which states that Jim Morrison died of a heart attack brought on by natural causes. No autopsy was performed, but police reports and witness accounts are helping him to determine how Jim Morrison really died. Facing a jail sentence for obscenity, Jim is boozing heavily. The doors decide to work without him, and he takes refuge in Paris, spending his time eating and drinking. Jim's lifestyle is extremely unhealthy. His smoking, his drinking and his eating of fatty foods can put an enormous amount of strain on the heart, putting it at risk. But this medical report states that Jim's health was only aggravated by the abuse of alcohol. It was a contributing factor the night of his death, but it wasn't the sole cause of his death. I think with Jim, it wasn't so much it was food, it was everything. The typical addictive dilemma, you know, this huge emptiness inside that he tried to fill with food that he tried to fill with booze that he endlessly tried to fill with whatever came his way there's another clue in the medical report that suggests jim's health problems in the weeks leading to his death were profound he was also experienced what's called precordial chest pain and that's pain on the front of the chest the question is why and I think we have to look at the witness statements to get a better understanding of what was going on with him around the time that he dies. July 2nd, 1971. 2 p.m. The day before Jim's death, he meets Alan Rone, an old friend from his college days at UCLA. As usual, he's eating and drinking and smoking heavily. In the course of the meal, he suffers a severe and protracted coughing fit. The strain on Jim's heart can be caused by respiratory difficulties that originate in the lungs. This report says that Jim was also suffering from dyspnea. Now, dyspnea is the shortness of breath, and that was occurring weeks prior to his death. The witness reports state that Jim sustained two serious falls within six months of his death. That might suggest severe chest trauma. 
January 1971, Chateau Marmont, Los Angeles. Five months before his death, after a night of partying, Jim swings from a drain pipe and falls four stories, landing on his back. When you were with him, whether on stage or in private or at a nightclub or anything, anything could happen with Jim Morrison. He might slap you. He might um, read poetry to you. He might um, start screaming and run out on Sunset Strip and start jumping on cars. He was this out-of-control, sort of demonic personality. He delighted in the fact that people would be horrified that he might fall and kill himself or injure himself. And I think that Jim Morrison had that incredibly young and foolish idea that he would live forever. Three months later, during another drunken stunt in a hit Paris hotel, Jim takes another fall. He couldn't sleep, and so one night he went out on the balcony, and he tried to jump off the balcony and landed on the roof of a car on his back. And so they took him to the American hospital in Neuilly in, in Paris, and they did some x-rays. I would be looking for a traumatic injury that can explain his symptoms of shortness of breath and chest pain, a contusion or a bruise of the lung directly beneath an impact site. Pamela Corson later reported that the x-ray showed that Jim was okay. If he was suffering from a contusion, it may have shown up as a shadow on the x-ray, but not always. By July, a contusion could explain the symptoms that Jim has, but I don't think you can look at a contusion as the overall single reason why he died. I think that these falls and these antics and these acrobatics and these reckless, dangerous stunts were part of, of this wild persona of stretching to just break on through conventional behavior and do crazy things for inspiration. The chest pain and the shortness of breath that Jim was experiencing could also be explained in something that's commonly seen with alcoholics, and that's a pneumonia. During sleep brought on by intoxication, fluid can be drawn into the lungs, causing infections to the lining of the lungs. This impairs breathing and reduces oxygen levels in the blood, putting strain on the heart. July 2nd, 1971, 4 p.m., the day before Jim's death. At the end of his lunch with Alan Rone, Jim suffers an extreme attack of hiccups, which leaves him breathless. As Alan leaves the bistro, he looks at Jim for the last time. He was later quoted in a Paris magazine saying that Jim's face looked like a death mask. A serious pneumonia oftentimes requires hospitalization and IV antibiotics, but that's not what we're seeing here. What is clear is that Jim's excessive lifestyle, his reckless behavior, has had a very negative effect on his health, leading him to be more susceptible to a heart attack. Paris, 1971. The Rock and Roll Circus Nightclub. During his time in Paris, Jim often spent his nights drinking and smoking in a hip left bank club known for its celebrity clientele and its drug culture. 
the Rock Canal Circus was the rock place in Paris, and uh, it was uh, the magic of the 60s. So there's this whole social milieu um, of pop stars, artists, filmmakers, aristocracy, gangsters, drug dealers, prostitutes. It really was uh, the kind of scene that uh, probably only did exist in, in, in London or New York or Paris in 1971. After Jim's death, his girlfriend Pamela Corson tells police that Jim had been prescribed drugs to curb his coughing, but he didn't take them, and his symptoms got worse. He started to cough up blood. Jim's symptoms do include some chest pain, some shortness of breath, and he's been coughing up blood. But these don't suggest a severe form of pneumonia. This might be a mild form, also known as a walking pneumonia. Jim eats, drinks, and smokes all in excess, and he's a rock star. It brings up this other possibility of what could contribute to a heart attack, and that's drugs. Drugs fueled the California hippie counterculture that Jim was immersed in from the age of 21. Speed, smack, quaaludes, downers, whatever. Scoop it all up, see what happens. LSD-inspired music set the tone for the late 60s rock scene. But there was a new drug in the music world, derived from the coca plant of South America. Cocaine. Around 1969 and 1970, Jim's life was fueled by um, high-grade cocaine. So this was before cocaine became an important part of the rock star's pharmacopoeia. Um, so he was one of the pioneers of, of using um, the energy of, of the coca leaf um, to get to where he wanted to go. This is a guy that, that knows drugs. This is a guy that knows the destructive nature of this drug. So one has to wonder if this is just another step in, in that very self-destructive behavior that he's engaging in. Cocaine is extraordinarily dangerous, and it's known as the perfect heart attack drug. Even at recreational levels, it can increase your heart rate and your blood pressure. It causes heart muscle thickening and vasospasms, which are sudden constrictions of blood vessels reducing their diameter and flow rate, this can lead to a heart attack. Did Jim Morrison die from a perfect heart attack caused by cocaine? Hey, it's Dr. Michael Hunter. Did you know you can stream the autopsy television series on Roku and Fire TV? Well, you can. Just download the Reels app and subscribe to see the TV show behind this podcast. And if you've got Prime, it's on Amazon channels, too. You could even find episodes like Gary Shandling, Tom Petty, and Batman's Adam West before they're released here. Autopsy comes from the real-life mystery fans at Reels Channel. Find Reels on your TV at Reels.com. That's R-E-E-L-Z.com. Jim Morrison, lead singer of The Doors, was found dead in his Paris apartment on July 3, 1971. There was no autopsy, 
but the attending doctor at the scene declared that he died of a heart attack due to natural causes. Since arriving in Paris in March 1971, Jim Morrison has been living an increasingly unhealthy lifestyle, eating, drinking, and smoking excessively. He's put on weight, and he's been a recreational drug user for several years. Jim's heart and his respiratory system are under a lot of strain. He has chest pain, shortness of breath, and he's been coughing up blood. These are likely from a mild form of pneumonia. He's also using a considerable amount of cocaine, and that can add additional stress on the heart. No toxicology tests were done on Jim Morrison, so we will never know if cocaine was in his system. But I can examine witness accounts of his behavior to find out what role cocaine might have played. July 3rd, 1971, 1 a.m., the day of his death. According to Pamela Corson's police statement, Jim is happy and healthy. In their Paris apartment, they listen to records and drink whiskey. If Jim had been using cocaine, I would have expected that he would have been hyperactive and agitated. He may have even had psychoses or delirium. Now, when you look at the witness reports here, there's nothing that suggests any of that in the hours leading up to his death. I'm concluding that cocaine was not his killer. 3.30 a.m. Pamela Corson is awoken by noises. Jim is struggling to breathe. Thinking that he might be suffocating, she shakes him, and he eventually wakes up. Soon after, Jim runs a warm bath. a.m. Pamela wakes when Jim calls saying he's about to vomit. At first, he vomits only food, but then starts to bring up blood clots. Jim tells her that he's feeling bizarre, but doesn't need a doctor. She goes back to bed believing the vomiting has relieved his problem. Vomiting blood is very serious, and medical attention should have been sought. Now, there are two reasons to see this. One is from liver disease, and there's no indication he has liver disease. The other is associated with retching. That can cause tearing of the esophagus and bleeding into the stomach. This can occur slowly over time, and when he vomits, you're going to have this appearance of blood in that material. Why he was vomiting was never addressed at the time. That can be a symptom of someone who's under the influence of drugs, but it's also a symptom of someone who's experiencing an early heart attack. 4.30 a.m. When Pamela wakes to find Jim still not in bed, she goes into the bathroom. Jim's head rests on the back of the tub as if he's asleep. Jim! Pamela shakes him and tries to pull him out of the bath, but isn't able to lift his heavy, inert body out of the water. She calls Alan Rone, who arrives at the apartment and calls for emergency help. Hello? Yes. Ambulance. 5 a.m. According to a fireman's statement, Jim's body is still warm. They lift him from the bath and carry him into the bedroom.
Believing that Jim is still alive, the firemen tried to resuscitate him, but they are mistaken. He quickly turns cold, and they realize that he's dead. His body's warmth had come from the bathwater. 6 a.m. A doctor arrives to confirm that Jim is dead. But a policeman who searches the apartment is suspicious. He calls for a more senior medical examiner to attend. At 6 p.m., 12 hours later, Dr. Max Vasile arrives. He performs a brief external examination and certifies a heart attack as the cause of Jim's death. Jim Morrison, the lead singer for The Doors, a rock music group, is dead. He was 27. His personal manager said he died in Paris, probably of heart failure, last Saturday. I was in holidays in south of France, and one day I buy a newspaper and I read Jim Morrison died in Paris one week ago, and I can't believe it. Given the circumstances, a 27-year-old, relatively healthy-looking person dead in a bathtub, that requires an autopsy, absolutely. What I find strange is the haste that Dr. Vasile put into this report. He's on scene for a short period of time. This would have taken me hours to days to come to a conclusion as far as what happened to Jim. As far as I'm concerned, the autopsy's a joke. Paris is on holiday that time of the year. All the regular people you would contact weren't around. These were tourists, they were Americans, beneath contempt in many ways, druggies, nothing special. These weren't wonderful local French citizens or eminent Parisian uh, figures. Dr. Vasile's report is barely a paragraph in length. It does have notations as far as chest pain, shortness of breath, as well as his alcohol abuse, but all of this was taken from a witness statement from one person, Pamela Corson. As a death investigator, you can't rely solely on the witness statements of one person. You want to find other witnesses who knew Jim close to the time that he died, and you want to do a proper evaluation of the scene to get a better understanding of what may have happened. A sensational account published in 2009 threatened to completely rewrite the official version of Jim Morrison's death, claiming he didn't die in the bath or even in his own apartment. 2 a.m., July 3, 1971. The Rock and Roll Circus. According to Sam Burnett, the manager of the club, Jim is having a drink when he is joined by two men both well-known drug dealers. Jim leaves the bar to go to the men's room. The next thing, uh, there are complaints that one of the stalls in the women's toilets, there's someone in there, they won't come out, they're not responding. So Sam Burnett, the manager of the club, and a couple of uh, the people that work for him break down the door and find Jim on the toilet, dead. On the floor next to him is an open wrap of heroin. This version of Jim's death was widely known and believed by his circle of friends in Paris. Me, I have some friend who was there that night, and when I come back from early days, and they tell me Jim Morrison died at the Rock and Roll Circus, 
That's it. And it's only one or two person. A lot of people tell me that. What everybody wants to do is cover up the fact that Jim Morrison has just died of a heroin overdose, heroin which he bought at the club, took in the club and died from at the club. According to this theory, the bouncers carry Jim's body out of the club and transport him to the apartment. There, the theory goes, they immerse him in a warm bath to disguise the time of his death. I can't discount the possibility that Jim died in the rock and roll circus, but my investigation is about cause of death, and because of that, I really need to look at heroin playing a possible role. No toxicology tests were done, but I know from the doctor's brief medical report that there was blood around Jim's nostrils, and this is evidence of possible heroin snorting. When the raw powder is inhaled, the crystalline structure damages the blood vessels lining the nostrils, causing them to rupture and bleed. Harris, a few days after he died, graffiti appeared on the wall of, um, in the left bank of Paris saying Jim was a junkie. Jim Morrison was found dead in the bathtub of his Paris apartment on the 3rd of July, 1971, by his girlfriend, Pamela Corson. No autopsy was performed, but Dr. Michael Hunter has been investigating a brief medical report, along with witness accounts, to establish why Jim suffered a heart attack at just 27 years old. Jim is also eating, smoking, and drinking to excess. And he's also using recreational drugs, and that puts him at a markedly increased risk for a heart attack. But I still haven't found the trigger. Jim has a small amount of blood around his nostrils, and it's certainly possible that heroin was the cause of this. But without a toxicology report, I'm going to look at witness accounts to find out whether Jim really did take heroin the night that he died. Jim was often seen propping up the bar at the Rock and Roll Circus nightclub. Among its rich and famous clientele was the 20-year-old French aristocrat Jean de Bretoy, a playboy and heroin dealer to the rock stars. He was also Pamela Corson's lover, but that never broke the deep bond between her and Jim. There was a real genuine core of love between them. There's no doubt about that. But they were incredibly spiteful and hateful to each other on lots of other occasions. Their fights were legendary. But I guess, you know, it's that kind of yin-yang thing, love and hate. You know, it's so tightly bound. And they were in a very peculiar situation at a very odd time. Before Jim came to Paris, She'd been living with de Bretoy and regularly using heroin, a habit that continued during her time with Jim. Pamela focused very much on the heroin, and once she became fully addicted, you know, Jim inevitably became part of that spiral of addiction, and being Jim, who never said no to anything, started taking heroin. In her statement to the police, Pamela didn't mention any drug-taking on the night of his death. But another story soon unfolded.
7 p.m., July 3rd, 1971. 14 hours after Jim's death. The police and Dr. Gone, their short investigation over. A bereft Pamela sits with Jim's friend, Alan Ronay. In a published article, Ronay later recounted what she told him about the events that led to Jim's death. At one in the morning, she says they return to the apartment where they play records and drink whiskey. She also admits that they snort heroin. This is a guy that, that knows drugs. This is a guy that knows the destructive nature of this drug. So one has to wonder if this is just another step in, in that very self-destructive behavior that he's engaging in. According to Rone, she went on to reveal that Jim continued to take the heroin after she stopped. Heroin can kill you, and especially with Jim's lung condition, that puts him at increased risk. The evidence that I've read is that Jim is a seasoned drug user. He's lived with a heroin addict for seven years, and he likely knows his limits. That brings up the question, was this intentional? June 1971, Paris. A month before he died, Jim spends the afternoon with his friend and pop star, Philippe Delecky, and together they work in Delecky's studio. So we went to my place and uh, we had a few beers and did the job. He was happy with the cassette and uh, this was in the afternoon. He looked quite happy. In Paris, Jim has been writing all his musings and poetry on a series of notebooks that he carries around with him in a white bag. As Jim leaves, Delecky notices that he's left his bag behind. I get back to the corridor the stairs, I say, hey, Jim, forget the, the bag. He says, uh, oh, no, keep it for now. And that's it. That's the last time I saw Jim. Along with his bag, he left his cherished notebooks. A poem in one of them bore a single line. Last words. Last words. Out. Further on was another line. I'm finally dead, he says at the end of the notebook. Like a premonition, like if he knew he was about to die. Was this a covert suicide note? What reasons did Jim Morrison have to take his own life? The last year had been a struggle for Jim. He's facing a jail sentence in the U.S. The doors are working without him, and his girlfriend was having an affair. Paris was meant to be where he could reinvent himself as a poet and filmmaker. In some ways, I think Jim saw himself as a kind of modern Renaissance man, you know. Um, he didn't play an instrument. Jim would pick up a pen. Jim would pick up a movie camera. Jim very much saw himself as being some kind of auteur, whether it be as a poet, an author, scriptwriter, or a, a movie director. But he was no closer to achieving his dreams than he was in America. Were the jottings in his notebook suicidal or just another example of his dark imagination? July 
themes around pain or, or death uh, have been prevalent in art for years. Whereas for most of us, these are themes we don't want to think about. They're things we want to avoid. I think for artistic souls, um, they're drawn to them. They're drawn to the human experience. They're drawn to the depths. And, and the human experience is never at its, at its most steep, as its most intense than, than when pain and fear are there. He's mourning the death of his youth, the death of his innocence, the death of the doors. But I don't think what we're talking about is a guy writing about his imminent suicide. I think if Jim was to have written a suicide note, it would have been much more eloquent and to the point. The anecdotal evidence is that this was not an intentional heroin overdose. So the mystery remains. Did heroin play a role in his death? And if so, how did he come about taking that lethal dose? In the late 60s and early 70s, there was a strain of heroin called China White. It actually came from Laos and Vietnam. It was very deadly and still is. Jim Morrison died in Paris at only 27 years old. No post-mortem was conducted, and the mystery of his death has never been solved. Dr. Michael Hunter has been probing the medical report that concluded he died of a heart attack by natural causes. Jim was leading an increasingly unhealthy lifestyle, putting strain on his heart and his respiratory system, but that's not enough to really account for his death. Pamela Corson states that Jim took heroin the evening that he died. The mystery is Jim's a hardened seasoned drug user. What led to that final cardiac arrest? When Jim was in Paris, French drug traffickers began dealing a new synthetic form of heroin. In its pure form, it is extremely potent and potentially lethal. In the laboratory, it's called A-methylfentanyl. On the street, it's known as China White. Pamela Corson's lover, Count Jean de Batoy, dealt this lethal drug to his elite Parisian users. He was a purveyor of this stuff called China White, and it was a step up from the, the adulterated Mexican heroin that ha had been prevalent up till then. It was very deadly and still is. Anecdotal evidence from Jim's contemporaries in Paris and Pamela's affair with a known China White drug dealer, it's likely that this was the heroin that Jim used. And knowing this, I see Jim's last few hours in a very new light. 3 a.m., the morning of Jim's death. Jim's been drinking all day and into the evening. Alcohol intoxication impairs his reasoning and makes him more risk-adverse. He and Pamela snort the heroin. Jim's unused to the drug's potency, doesn't know when to stop, and takes more. The gurgling noise that awakens Pamela is the first sign of a heroin overdose. Heroin depresses the respiratory system, causing pulmonary edema fluid in the lungs. Blood backs up in the veins, increasing blood pressure, and the fluid continues to build. 
reducing normal oxygen movement through the lungs and impairing breathing. Soon after 3.30 a.m., Jim runs a warm bath. The change of temperature from cold to hot shocks his heart. His capillaries expand, increasing blood pressure and putting strain on the heart. As Jim's respiratory system begins to shut down, he may experience chest pain. Heroin also slows down gastrointestinal activity, causing nausea. With repeated retching, his esophagus tears and he vomits blood, putting even more strain on his heart. Alcohol and heroin would continue to act on the area of the brain that controls breathing. As it slows down, Jim's heart struggles to pump oxygen-rich blood around his body. Jim's brain is eventually starved of oxygen, and he lapses into a coma. Once you're in a coma, your respiratory drive shuts down. You literally forget to breathe. That causes a decreased oxygenation to Jim's heart muscle and to his brain. With a decreased oxygenation, you get anoxic injury to the brain where the brain starts to die, and you also get injury to the heart muscle where the heart muscle starts to die. This can lead to a catastrophic effect and eventually to death. 4 a.m., Jim's heart eventually stops. When Pamela finds him in the bath, he looks like he's sleeping, but he's already dead. Jim Morrison did ultimately die of cardiac arrest, but not from natural causes as suggested by the French examiner. I believe it was China White, a pure and potent form of heroin that triggered his cardiac arrest, killing him at just 27 years of age. Jim's life was really intense and was like a, a really a shooting star. He never knew how far you could take things before the limit would be reached, and unfortunately, physically, he reached the limit. When you consider what Jim Morrison achieved in those four years that the doors, you know, were active, it's almost unimaginable in today's terms. This was music that has now become timeless. This really is the music of the immortals. Jim Morrison was buried at Père Lachaise Cemetery in Paris on the 7th of July, 1971. Thousands of people make the pilgrimage to his graveside every year. Well, you know, Shakespeare would have called it the tragical history of Jim Morrison because it was such a sad story that this um, brilliant and talented and beautiful guy um, didn't live to see his 28th birthday. you enjoyed this episode of autopsy don't forget to subscribe at podcast1.com with the podcast one app or at apple podcasts then go to reels.com that's r-e-e-l-z.com for clips extras and more from the tv version of the series including reenactments and autopsy photos you'll only see on reels channel find reels on your tv at reels.com i'm dr michael hunter 